everybody, John here, and while Memphis Tigers football is, of course, one of my passions, happy to host Tigers tonight, I do have a second passion, and that is travel. I'm a full-service travel agent, and I love to help families make their next great memory through an unforgettable vacation. Maybe that's a Caribbean cruise. Maybe it's a cruise somewhere like Antarctica. Maybe it's a idea of a great vacation is just laying by a beach at an all-inclusive resort, or maybe you've been dreaming of that trip to Disney. I'm here to help you make those dreams come true, no matter what type of vacation you're looking for. Hey, for Tigers Tonight listeners, I've got a special deal. If you book a vacation with me anytime during the Memphis football season, I'll give you 25 bucks off your vacation just for mentioning you heard about me on Tigers Tonight. In addition, I'll waive my normal planning fee of 50 bucks. That's just for our listeners here on Tigers Tonight. So just shoot me an email over at john at travelbyjohn.net and we'll get the planning process started. Again, that's john at travelbyjohn.net. Welcome to Tigers Tonight, a podcast dedicated to University of Memphis Tiger football. Here's your host, John Maddox. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tigers Tonight. I'm your host, John Maddox, joined, as always, by the best co-co-host in all the land, Larry Marley, who is in the palatial Marley Manor in Hernando, Mississippi. Larry, how are you, sir? I am outstanding, and you and I both were chasing, uh, by the way, the cat in the background is amazing. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> but you, 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 you were chasing me today. I was, I was coming through Nashville um, out of Kentucky, and you were in Nashville as well today so we were you were chasing me today and we were both driving through the storms uh, which only goes to prove and Nashville was actually getting pummeled and we haven't had a raindrop one no nope, so, it stopped yeah it stopped raining on me uh just after the Tennessee River yeah. and also joined by the one and only Brian Moss of TSR Brian how are you sir I'm doing well uh it was hot up here 106 today up here in New York with the uh, heat index so yeah I only uh kind of like went, walked outside for a little bit turned right around and came back inside what do they think that is Seattle <laughs> yeah. but anyway so lots to get into tonight uh on our June edition of the large program and we will start off with news that should have Memphis basketball fans happy uh Penny Hardaway announced this afternoon or this evening via, I think, an IG story that he is staying. Uh, The one and only Shams and Woj, I think, have both confirmed that he will not be the head coach for Orlando. He is staying at Memphis, which is great news on a lot of fronts because the, the banter amongst most in the know was that if Penny were to leave, it would mean that the uh, decision coming down, I cannot remember the initials of the board, from the NCAA, the I, is it IAFB or something like that. It's this independent board that's watching that right. was handling the Wiseman that, that case. hasn't met yet and hasn't issued a single ruling yet, even though they've been around for what, four years now. Yeah. Yeah. So we were going to be first. Congratulations. Um, but the, the, the thought <laughs> was amongst many in the know and, and the media and athletics in general, that is if Penny were to leave, it would build. It would see. It would signal really, really bad news was coming out of that. But you know, I put it at forty sixty because I, I, you know, my my thought process with that is simple. The worst NBA job is a million times better than all but what can say three college jobs: Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. And I, don't every, Duke, I don't think Duke's that good either. 
And you're going to find that out real soon. I, I, I would say, obviously, North Carolina and, and Kentucky. Kentucky for sure. And after that, you know, we, we, you're going to get into the big jobs. But the reality is, after those two, it's, you're probably th – th those two are definitely the top two. And I don't know that there's another job even close to those two. Um, and, and then, you, you know, because look, look at, at, at the lifestyle that those guys get to lead. Yep. Um, but I, I, you guys know, I texted you Sunday and told you, I you just got feel that it was at most 20% chance he would lead. I, that was basically confirmed yesterday. I texted somebody. Actually, I ended up on the phone with them. And, and I, I, I said, I said 20% and they told me that that's high, that this was, Look, I, I posted some stuff on, on the on the blog, and, and I'm not going to go into that too much other than just to say that this was Penny wanting to exercise some uh, flex of muscles here. And one of the things, I, I, I think you guys would both agree with this, that, that, that Laird has, has, has a certain amount of power at the university with just about everybody else. But he's not going to win a power struggle with Penny Hardaway. That's not going to happen. Penny is the most important and um, certainly from a public standpoint, he has the most power at that athletic department. And I, I do believe that this was all motivated by his effort to get certain things he wanted from the university. That's my opinion on it. I, I would buy that, except, I mean, there's there's obviously a modicum of truth to that. But this isn't Cal talking to NC State or or John talking to Arkansas. You know, I, I've I've long held, and I've been very clear about this over the years. Guys like Penny and Justin Fuente. I, I said Justin would be so much better a coach in the NFL because all that dude wants to do is coach. He don't want to recruit. He don't want to shake my hand at a booster meeting. He don't want to kiss a baby. He don't want to do, he doesn't want to be at a political stump. Like he doesn't want to do any of that. He wants to coach football. And, and Brian, I think to us, to a certain extent, as much as people had to beg Penny to take the Memphis job, to me, that's kind of where Penny is, too. Penny's like, look, man, I want to coach kids. I want to coach basketball. I don't want to breaking do news, all this other mess. Breaking news. Breaking news. It just came across. Penny Hardaway is hiring Hall of Fame coach Larry Brown on his staff, which – and this is from, from Goodman, okay? So I, I, I guess I can go ahead and just say this on this program – one of the points of contention, and I didn't mean to cut you off, John. No, you're good. One of the points of contention was um, Penny wanted control over his staff and was getting pushback from from Laird. I mean, I'm just saying for what it is. Let's let's not hold back here. And guys, let me ask you a question. Since he was 14 years old, how many times do you think Penny Hardaway's been told no? Or if you, I, I guess. <laughs> count, 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 you can yeah. count them on one hand, all right? 
and 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 he was told no twice as far as Larry Brown was concerned. And and I know this, I know some of this to be true. And and he basically uh he 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 wanted to not have to answer to Laird Beach when it came to his staff. Um and, and let me also be very clear. Here's here's two things I know to be apt. I know these are facts. Penny Hardaway will never be fired at the University of Memphis. That will never ever happen. I was told this by three people, okay, and and one of them was a pretty prominent booster that they will never fire him. When he leaves, it will be of his own volition. Even I, I think the words they used was even if this thing bottoms out, this, there will never be another Larry Finch. That will never happen. That's what I was told. So Penny being told, no, you can't hire X, Y, Z. What's the alternative? They're not going to fire him. That's never going to happen. So he's going to win that power struggle. And the fact that he's now hiring Larry Brown tells you all you need to know about what some of this was about. Well, and the big thing it tells me is that despite bluster and despite all this talk and all this, I'll call it what it is, bullshit, nothing has changed in the athletic department. We did not learn our lesson with John Calipari. Clearly, we did not learn a lesson. So now what you're doing is you're going to put, you're you're saying, okay, the basketball coach is the most powerful person in the athletic department. And if you're over there, if you're, and you know, I'm, I don't speak for Ryan Silverfield, but I'll just do it right here. Wait just a damn minute. You know, if you're if you're Silverfield, who who, and you can go back to Norvell and, and Justin, whatever, who had to beg, steal, and borrow for everything that he's gotten. What and our opinions of Silverfield aren't really relevant at this moment. Mm-hmm. This man won how many ever games this year? Won a ball game. Ten, nine, nine, ten. eight. How many games? No, it feels like feels like fifty right, years right. ago. It, it doesn't matter. You're we, exactly he, right, he won every game. He won as much as he should have, and recruited the best class in University of Memphis history. But now Penny's allowed to hire somebody who shouldn't be within ten thousand feet of any college basketball program ever again. It happened twice with Larry Brown. Twice he left programs in complete and utter shambles. Now, everybody's going to say, oh, well, you know, he's 75 years old, blah, blah. He's not going to recruit. Then why are, why are we paying him? Then, it, then if I'm a booster, it's a waste of money. But it just, it just goes to show that, you know, what we've talked about before, Brian, the more things change, the more they're apparently going to stay the same. Yeah, and I think uh, the Penny to Orlando had a lot to do with Penny getting Larry Brown. Um, you know, just Larry t- talked about it before. I think he he's mentioned it on the boards. You know, it, it's all a you know a power game with him, and it, you know, it's Penny on an open market could make a lot more money than what he's making at Memphis. You know, and another school could pay him more, so he's but taking could less. He? I actually think yeah, oh, he can. Yes. Yes. Look, he looked at what look look at his recruiting record. I mean, That's just great. one season, one season after, you know, um, Tubby, you know, Tubby left. 
he, he had the top top 10, top five recruiting class. Schools see that and we're like, all right, that's that's something that we want. Now, coaching and getting the, getting the best out of his players, that's something different. But they they want to see their name up there with the recruiting rankings. I mean, that's just that's, that's just what great. it is. Recruiting rankings are great. I just sang the praises of Ryan Silverfield about it. Not the last guy, but the guy before last, we ran his ass out of town and he had the same recruiting rankings. So well, I, I can't well, buy into that argument that some school is going to swoop in and hire Penny. For, for what? He hasn't done well, anything. And well, I'm not being diminutive of Penny because, look, he, was the, he is the right man at the right time for this job. There is no doubt in my mind. He should have gotten hired before Tubby Smith. But yeah. we begged him, and he didn't want to take the job. And I said at the time, and I stand by this, Penny Hardaway, take this and just kind of file it away and let it mean whatever you want it to mean. Penny Hardaway could sure as hell help the University of Memphis basketball program a lot better at being an AAU coach and the East High School coach than he can being on campus at Memphis. And again, y'all, folks can take that for whatever they want it to mean. But well, it, 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 so, the, so to the two points, first of all, it, yes, he could go to an, he, I, I do think another school would hire him and, and could he make more money there? Possibly. I don't think, I do not think he will ever leave Memphis for another college job. I don't think that'll ever happen. So I don't Agree think 100%. that, yeah. I don't believe, I don't believe that's part of the power yeah. play here. I, I do think eventually Penny will leave for the NBA. I do believe that. I don't know when that will be, and I don't know at what point that will be. But I do think that that will happen. But whatever happens, this, what happened here, and John, you're absolutely right, this was him leveraging his name. And, and, that, and that is what would get him another job at another school. Let's make no bones about it. It's not the record that he's established here at Memphis, which has been good, but not great. Um, it, it, it will not be what he's done on the recruiting trail, which has been really, really good. Um, but it would be the name, Penny Hardaway. And that would be what would get him if he wanted. And he's he's not going to get the Duke job, or he's he's not going to get any of these jobs that we just talked about. He's not going to get Kentucky, North Carolina, on, on that basis. But I think he could get, you know, TCU or 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 you know, insert you know, middle of the the, the run, you know, power he, five school. He, he could do that. He could. But I just think that's a straw argue, straw man's argument because he's not going to leave Memphis. Yeah, he's not. To go right. coach TCU. Like you know, right, you're again, right. TCU, fine little program, good Big Twelve program, solid every year. Jamie Dixon did a great job. Like it's a good, but but my contention is, and Memphis, we every school does this. I think Memphis has a higher view of what Penny Hardaway as a college basketball coach is than anywhere else as to what Penny Hardaway, the college basketball, because if I'm an AD and if I step back from this situation and I go, okay. And I just, you know, kind of keep it relatively local, Larry Finch, uh, Clyde Drexler. There's no, there's another great example. Clyde Drexler was going to come home to Houston and save Houston. It didn't work. 
Larry Finch worked for a little while. Game kind of passed Larry by. He got sick. We, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna relitigate that. We're not gonna relitigate that. Hot dog, hot dog stand happens. Larry's gone. So if I'm an AD, I'm going okay. You know, I'm looking at Penny, and and, and this is where uh, Laird Veach's kind of hands off of revenue sports, Brian. I think hurts a little bit because for all his we say problems, I guess is the right way to say it. Tom Bowen was the boss at 970 Normal Avenue or at 570 Normal on the University of Memphis camp, campus. And, and there was no doubt about that. Uh, Josh Pastner wasn't the boss. Uh, Tubby Smith wasn't the boss. Mike Norvell wasn't the boss. Justin Fuente, Ryan Silverfield. Tom Bowen was the boss. And I think what this shows me as a fan, Larry Veach isn't the boss. It was not. And, and if it wasn't for Tom Bowen, Larry Brown would have been in the assistant years ago. So, I mean, that, that's to your point. I mean, that, that was a big, you know, to do when the, the, the first go around, when Penny was here. I mean, it was, you know, I had people in my ear saying, yes, you know, Brown's a definite, <laughs> you know, to the point where we, I had someone at the university tell me it's a done deal. And in that obviously yes. it was not a done deal. Yes. And, you know, Tom Bowen nixed that. So, you know, will I say Veach, uh, you know, I'm not going to say Veach isn't as strong. I, I don't know. I will. I just, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say you, it. You could do that. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're just, to me, there's something else in play. I, I don't know. Well, and this, also, this, this, we, got, we got to remember, too, guys, Veach was brought in here for a little different purpose yep, than Bowen yeah, was right. brought in for. Right. Tom Bowen's job was to fix football. That, that was his only charge from Brad Martin and Cato Johnson and the committee was to fix football. That's it. Basketball can kind of saunter along here. We can write that ship if we need to. You To hell with Olympic sports, which, boy, has it shown to hell with Olympic sports. Yep. You fix football, and Bowen did a masterful job of that. And I remember several times when Bowen and Pastner would clash on scheduling, and a lot of people gave me a lot of flack about it. But I was like, "Damn it, Tom Bowen is the boss." Whether, well, that that's not how big time basketball programs are run. I don't give a damn. Tom Bowen is the boss. He signs the paychecks, and he his personality was such that you knew he was the boss. I get the feeling, well, I know for a fact, Laird Veach was brought here to fix the Olympic sports. That that was his whole, not that he can't do, obviously he's at Florida for crying out loud, not that he can't do football and, and take care of basketball, but his focus is elsewhere. His focus is on Olympic sports. But the problem you have with that is when something like this happens and what, you know, Stevie Wonder is going to see that this was a power play by Penny to talk to Orlando to get Larry Brown hired at Memphis. Like, like Stevie Wonder. Among Ray other Sean. things. Among other things. Among other things, but we'll, we'll just kind of freeze it there. So now that Penny's won that, I mean, this is a business thing. Like if I was Penny or Penny's, I don't even know who Penny's agent is, but if I was Penny's agent, I'd be like, well, damn, all it took was a three-hour meeting with Orlando to get Larry Brown? hell, I want a plane, or I want a new building, or I want – so because, see, that's the problem when you give in on stuff like that. 
is a good coach and a good agent. And this would be true. Look, I'd be saying the same thing if Ryan Silverfield pulled some mess like this and hired Art Browse. Let's just be abundantly clear. Not that Art Browse and Larry Brown are comparable in what they right, do. Right, right, right. Let's be abundantly clear. If, if we were sitting here talking about how Ryan Silverfield used the – who's the worst team in the NFL? Uh, Falcons. No, no the, the Giants. <laughs> the Lions? Huh? Giants. Yeah, yeah he used Lions. the Giants job to get leverage to be able to hire Art and Kendall Browse to come to Memphis. Dude, I'd be shouting from the rooftops how stupid that is and how much it sucks. But well, for one thing, that job was he Penny was never going to get that job this go round. That that was it, it was never going to go to him. But There's then shouldn't no your AD? But then shouldn't the people? And this is what used to always confound me with RC when when Cal and Sexton would pull this crap. Because this was the Sexton two-step, right? You, you, this is exactly yes, what this was. This is, yeah. this is Jimmy Sexton 101. I don't think Sexton is Penny's agent, but, like, not, this, no, but this is the playbook. Like, this is how he does it. This is How do you think Mike Norvell got two raises? No, 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 Mike no, no, Norvell no. was go, never going to Ole Miss. Go back, go back further than that. Tommy West. Go, go back to Tommy West. This is an absolute true story. And I don't, Brian, I don't know if you were around when all this went down, but Tommy West, has the, the big year with uh D'Angelo 19 was it oh, 2003 2003 and, and he and basically Sexton paid this is no lie paid a low level assistant SID at Ole Miss to to tell and I can't remember it was the 250 Ledger. bucks by the way Okay, two hundred fifty bucks. I, I to basically float the idea of, and, and it was it was never true. Was that yeah? You know, Tommy West would definitely be on Ole Miss list. So I can't remember who had just left. I don't know if it was Pine Box that had left or if I don't remember the situation. But Ole Miss had a job opening, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you know, we, we definitely might want to talk to Tommy West." And 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 from that, Tommy West went from three hundred and fifty thousand to a million dollars a year simply off of that leak. That's a, that's an absolute true story. And then Cal pulled it twice. Oh, the good old days. And then Cal <laughs> pulls it twice with RC. And my whole pushback with all that is because I think you guys are right. I think that there was a fourteen and a half percent chance that the Orlando Magic were going to offer Penny Hardaway that job. We'll just say 15%, whatever. But if you're Laird Veach, you got to go, they ain't hiring Penny Hardaway. Um, like, like, I mean, that's my thing. Like, the guys that are supposed to be smart get real dumb when, it, when they get desperate. And I think that that's one thing that the the record will show about Tom Bowen more than currently Laird Beach and ever R.C. Johnson. Tom Bowen had a plan, and Tom Bowen knew what he wanted to accomplish with that plan. And if you got in his way, he was going to squash you like a bug. I just don't think that's Laird's personality. That, that's I've met him twice, nice guy, really smart, really put together, but his personality, and again, he could be a tyrant behind closed doors. But you knew Tom Bowen was a jerk. Like, like you knew that he was a first-class jerk. But he won, and he got the job done, and he knew how to do his job. And he was very much of a Roger Goodell protect the shield. Bowen was protecting the athletic department. Like, he, you know, everybody's, oh, there's so much turnover. 
Like that's what Tom Bowen wants because he wants people in and out constantly, constant motion so that nobody can tell on him when he's done this or done that. And then he got, of course, the whole thing happened there towards the end. But you just got to look at this. And I look at this through a football lens because I'm, I'm much more of a football guy than a basketball guy. I love Penny. Played against Penny one-on-one at Geisman Park in 1990. Played three games of 21, didn't get one shot off. Um, hell of a basketball player, Memphis legend. I think he can get the job done if he's given enough time. But you can't just go, okay, well, here are the keys to the athletic department. Well, and, and if I'm Ryan Silverfield, that's what this says to me is, no, well, well, here, John, here's one thing. What have I got to do? Well, no, no. So, so here's how you got to look at this from th- those are two completely separate entities. And this is one of the things that I don't agree with we, that. Go ahead. Well, well, here's why I think it is because um, th- not from a financial standpoint, from the athletic department, but what does success in basketball and success in football mean? And in that sense, it's two separate entities. And here's why I say that. Because at Memphis, success in basketball, yes, they have to win. But more than anything, what it showed, what Tubby showed more than anything, is that that has to generate, that has to generate excitement within the fan base. The, the basketball program has to generate excitement. Football is a different entity in what success is. Football, because it's an event anyway, Saturday is an event. If, if they are successful on the recruiting trail and they're winning, he, he is, and he's going to bowl games. All he's got to do is keep that going and, and contend every so often that's success in football. It's a totally different thing. I'm telling you, you're, 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 you're missing the boat. Now, d- d- is it fair? What just happened? No, but the, the boosters for basketball and the boosters for football see things in my opinion differently here's here here's why i disagree with you when you say that and again i you know we talked to kevin johns a couple weeks ago i don't think this is going to happen if ryan silverfield comes out this year and runs the ball 47 times a game and we're winning games 13 to 10 13 to 3 21 14 you're right they're going to run his ass out of town the same reason they ran tubby out of town because tubby wasn't recruiting four stars and five stars and wasn't playing up tempo you know, we don't, we don't care at Memphis who the coach is. He's just got to excite us. And that's, and you know, look, You're right. that that's had some advantage. You know, some of Cal's early teams that didn't run, they were terrible to watch. I mean, I watched Memphis get booed off the court his first two years. Sure. Winning games by 15 points and everybody's booing. But, but that's why I just, I can't agree with that assessment because Memphis is a show me town and you got to show excitement and that's not fair, but you know, it's, but I will say that it's the same on both sides is that, yep. you know, if, if, if Memphis, you know, like this year, Memphis got on a tear. And when I say a tear, we were scoring 65 points a game on offense. We were the best defensive team in the country for about 10 weeks. I mean, we were on basketball. We were, we were easily the best defensive team I saw for a good six or seven week stretch. But, but I, I just think that this, this just sends a horrible message and I almost equate it to in basketball, you know, you run out on Rupp arena, you're Georgia, you run out on the floor against Kentucky. You look up the second TV timeout. It's, it's 27 to six. 
well, now I got to, and football had to do this to Memphis. Now I got to expend so much energy to get back, to get even with basketball, to get where people jokingly said, oh, Memphis is a football school now versus Memphis is a basketball school. I've had to expend so much energy to get back to that point that for those of us that frankly care more about football, this is just a slap in the face. And this just says, you guys clearly didn't learn anything from 2008, right? Like you just clearly, and a lot of the players are the same, not on the court, but you know, obviously uh, booster wise, like y'all just didn't get it. Like you just, you didn't learn a lesson. And now the, the problem is now, Brian, let's say this goes the way that I'll be very blunt. I think this is going to go with Larry Brown. I don't think he'll be here two years. And Memphis gets slapped with some sort of probation or, or whatever. I don't think it'll be a, I don't think he's a program killer anymore, but something happens that hurts football too. And people don't realize that we'll talk about this more in a few minutes with unintended consequences. Oh, Memphis is, we had to fight tooth and nail to not be a renegade program in either sport. Like that was the theme of the Cal days. We were a renegade. And there were people that thought Tommy wasn't doing it the right way. Well, how's Memphis all of a sudden good? Well, we actually built a facility and had a coach. That's, you know, about 50%, 60% of it. That helps. It helps. But anyway, so let's let's move on to happier times. And, and Brian, Memphis just finished up camps this year. Um, all, by all accounts, a lot of kids attended great camps. And then there's been some recruiting news break today. So break that all down for us. Yep. Kendall McKenzie is a two-star, which I think he's uh, underrated by rivals because they, you know, they haven't really uh, looked at his film or seen him in person. Um, so if, once he gets reevaluated, I think he'll be at least a three-star. But, yeah, he's a good offensive guard out of Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, and Memphis was his highest, uh, you know, offer. Uh, Arkansas State and Middle Tennessee were his other two offers. Uh, and Memphis has done a good job of finding these kids that, you know, you know, really could, you know, just sit a year or two and then really shine. And he's one of them. So, I mean, 6'3", uh, 294 pounds, uh, you know, pretty good. And he came to camp. Coaches loved him. He was offered and he commits. Memphis uh, is right now, I think, 59th in the country. They were. Uh, during the last commitment, uh, they, they get moved up to 54th, but other people, obviously, they get commits as well. They drop to 61st or 62nd, but now they're back in the uh, the 50s, so 59th. But uh, yeah, Memphis is uh, killing it in recruiting in football. I mean, I, I you know, th this is really Silverfield has really done an excellent job to to have the best recruiting class ever at Memphis during the pandemic year. You know, a lot of people thought that coming into this year, it would be even better. I'm not sure it'll be um, better, but it'll be on pace. It'll, you know, they should finish top 60, and that's where you want to be because if you're top 60, you're still beating, uh, you know, power five teams. So, I mean, you're, you're out recruiting, you know, Northwestern. You're out recruiting, uh, you know, Iowa State sometimes. Uh, so a lot of these other, you know, lower power five schools, you're beating them. And Memphis has done a great job. Yeah, I've, I've been really impressed with not only 
obviously the stars or, or whatnot, the quality of what silver of what Silverfield has gotten, but it but it appears like one of the things I've noticed is when he offers a kid, it's pretty quick that they commit. Like I don't know how they're doing this, how they're closing these deals so fast, but it's like I'm waiting. This is the, and this is a sea change for me. I think there's a group of kids that are waiting on an offer from Memphis because they want to go to Memphis. Whereas 10, yes. 12 years ago, Memphis is a fallback plan. Memphis is a plan C. You know, if, if Tennessee doesn't offer me, if Vandy doesn't offer me, yeah, I guess I'll go to Memphis. But now I think a lot, it's, go ahead. Yeah, and a lot of that is because of the facilities. When you yeah. talk to these kids, they absolutely love the facilities at Memphis. And it's, you know, and some of these kids, you know, back in the day, you know, they would tell me, you know, my the facilities at my high school are better than what Memphis has. That That's not the case no more. Um, Sutton Smith, uh, you know, he's a running back or uh, an athlete. I think we have him listed as, you know, he told me he's, he went to, you know, some SEC schools and he goes, there's really not a difference between Memphis right. and a power five school. It's, it's just a title facilities wise. You could not tell that Memphis was not in the power five. And that's refreshing. I mean, because I, I go back to the days of Rip Shear having to park a broke down bulldozer in front of a dirt pile on South campus to tell the recruits how wonderful our facilities were going to be in the next three years. Like true story. That's actually how it worked. He actually had a broken down bulldozer that they would bring in and park on uh, recruiting weekends with a big dirt pile of dirt that, you know, was going to be the IPF or was going to be this or was going to be that. So we've come a long way in that department. And that's something that's changed in my mind. I used to think that stuff didn't matter. Cause like I look at Boise state and they win and their facilities are crap. Although now they're not because they've gotten money and they've gotten, you know, they've made a couple BCS games or whatever they're called now, I guess though. Well, they were still the BCS when they made it, but like they've made a couple of those games, they've gotten some money and they put it back in the program and they've improved their facilities. Problem is they've gone downhill in the coaching ranks, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, I, I got a couple glowing reports about the camps, um, this year, you know, I, th I think a lot of people, this was just a, we're happy to be here and doing something that seems normal. Yep. Um, but the kids were impressed. The coaching staff was impressed and, and Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but these camps are, are kind of like, they've all kind of become where it's not just Memphis coaches there, right? It's, it's maybe some FCS coaches, some other FBS coaches, and yes. it's kind of almost more like a combine than a camp, right? It's sort of, it's sort of, the more of camps, uh, they do have some combine type stuff uh, sometimes. So not only does Memphis host and have other coaches, but Memphis actually goes out to others. Like, right. you know, there was a few coaches that went to Alabama's and, you know, saw some kids that Alabama was going to pass on, but Memphis is like, well, you know, they're good enough to play at Memphis. Come visit Memphis. So there was a group of Michigan kids that went to the Alabama camp and Memphis staff was like, Hey, come visit Memphis real quick. So yeah, they, they came over and took an unofficial visit to Memphis and you don't know. And these were, you know, class of uh, 2023 and 2024 kids. So it may pay dividends down the line, but that that's something that, you know, a lot of these coaches and staffs around the country are doing host your own and then go visit other schools that are close by. And, and you could just, it's easier to scout because, you know, you have a better, you know, view of kids, a better pool, I should say. 
Yeah, and, and I think we get it. I think we get this conflicted a lot of times. Yes, these are coaches that are all in competition with one another. Mm. But it's there are a, what a hundred and twenty-eight member or six how many ever teams there are in the FBS. There's one hundred and twenty-eight guys or whatever it is. That's a pretty damn small club. And, and they all work together. You know, look, that's how Memphis got a couple kids from Auburn because Gus Malzahn was tight with Justin. Like, they, they, don't, they don't trade kids. I don't want it to go that way. But, you know, if you've got the right relationship, Gus and Mike are also pretty close, although I'm interested to see how that works out now that they're recruiting the same state. Yep. But it's like, hey, this kid came to Auburn. He Number one, he doesn't really fit what we do. And number two – He's gotten in a little bit of trouble. He needs a fresh start. He needs a clean slate. Um, I think he could help your team. Because let's face it, the chances other than a meaningless ball game of Memphis and Auburn fighting for the same kid are pretty low. None. Um, yeah, it's it's virtually none. And that's that's what has always confounded me about the scheduling. And, oh, we can't let Tennessee come to Memphis because then they're going to recruit Memphis. That's the stupidest crap ever. Bad news. They're already recruiting Memphis. Um, but, like, these coaches work together because at the end of the day, I would say 96% of FBS coaches are in it to help kids and to help kids get to that next level, whatever that may be. That may be the CFL. It may be the NFL. It may be the fill in the blank football league, the exit, whatever. They are there to help kids improve their lives. And if Nick Saban looks at a kid and goes, because we've talked about this on this program before with mm -hmm. Nick Saban, his defensive ends, and I'm making this up, are 6'3 to 6'6. Six, six. They have this vertical reach. They weigh between yep. this and this, and they bench between this and this. And if they don't fit in that number, we don't look at them. Well, and and well, then Ryan well, Silverfield's sitting there going, so you're saying the kid's an inch too short? I'll take him. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know, that's... We, you know, last year, uh, Brian and I did the thing with Wimprine, and – and Saban was the coach at LSU. And you remember, Brian, that yep. Saban came in and basically said, you're too small. You're too small for me. And, you know, that was it. And that's how he ended up at Memphis because he, of course, he's from New Orleans, big LSU fan. And, and, and Saban just basically said, you don't fit this mold that I'm looking for. And that's the end of it. Like, there's no – and so – you're right, John. If you look at, like, for one thing, by the way, I, I, went, I, I actually had a job uh, in Tuscaloosa last week. I, and I was able to get from my house to the campus of, my, of Alabama in three and a half hours. Like, it's that close. I, I had never really honestly driven it because I had no idea. But, but it is. So if Alabama wants a kid in Memphis – Alabama's getting a kid from there because it's only three and a half hours. Like, you know, the, I, I can never, ever understand why, why a kid would go to Tennessee over Alabama from Memphis, but whatever. So you're right. Like, we're not, we're not recruiting the same guys. Um, but there can be guys that Alabama says, yeah, you know, you don't fit our mold. And Memphis go, you know what? You fit our mold, so come on, you know, up to – and it, we're never going to beat more than likely. I mean, we have beaten Alabama, but we're not going to beat Alabama this year. Um, but you know what? Like like you say all the time, John, we don't have to beat Pepsi or Coke. 
we can be our own version of, of, of RC. Yeah. That's right? yeah. Justin Fuente said that better than anybody's ever said. He said, we can't be Coke, Coke or Pepsi. Our job is to be the best Sprite we can be. And, right. and, you know, the other thing is if I'm a Memphis coach and I'm going to Alabama's camp and Alabama has invited this kid that, that instantly kind of tells me something. Alabama, ain't, Alabama ain't inviting the three of us to work at their camp. The, the three of us, we're, we're, we're not going to be running Oklahoma drills at Alabama's camp. Um, so, and again, like I said, these coaches, they all work together. You know, they know. Here's another great example. We'll go back to basketball. When Penny got hired, Greg Marshall didn't wait three seconds to release Alex Lomax from his, from his NLI. Like that was, he's like, why am I going to keep Alo right. here? when I know Alo would rather be at home and, and that doesn't get enough attention. Like how, yep. how truly, and Greg Marshall might be a poor example in hindsight. That's neither here nor there. Well, like well, how no, much just, they, just because he's a louse in one area of his life doesn't mean he's complete how much I they mean, care, Right. And how much they care about these kids and they want these kids to succeed. And I'm sure there were guys at this camp, Brian, that Ryan Silverfield looked at and said, I don't think you can play at Memphis, but I think you can help UT Martin. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Happens all the time. You know, and he'll, he may call or, you know, I'm sure Martin was there. I mean, I can't imagine they weren't or, you know, he, he may say, Hey, I'll just use him for example. Uh, Lane, this wide receiver doesn't fit what we do, but I think he could be a great fit. And it's not even usually the head coaches. That's something else people like yeah, it's, it's all it's these it's assistant it's, coaches. My like yes. Kevin Jones could call together. up whoever the OC at, at, Ole Miss is and say, hey, I know he's 5'9", but with the offense you run, you could put him in the slot. You can you can get him open. Here's how to – like, because Memphis can't get 300 kids. Ole Miss isn't going to get 300 kids. Alabama can't get 300 kids. So it's about finding landing spots for all these guys and helping the kids. And all you hope for is that, that that's repaid back to you. Like, that. that's – you know, that's that's the thing with coaching. Um, is you want that to come back, but yeah, I mean, what, what, you know, the, I was so happy to see the camps back because I know the kids need those camps too, because, you know, I love watching on Twitter whenever, whoever the next big thing is, and they'll post his video of his high school video. And he's basically running over guys that look like we do. And he's like six three. I was like the Derrick Henry ones are my absolute favorite ones because Derrick Henry was like six five, you know, two forty or whatever he was in high school. And I'm like, I get it. That that's flashy. That looks cool. But how does he look when he lines up? Derrick Henry's a poor example of this because he's so freaking awesome. But how does he look when he lines up against kids that look like him that are on his level? It's one thing for. Paxton Lynch, congratulations, by the way, signed by Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the CFL. Best of luck to Paxton. It's one thing for him to throw 27 million yards in Christian high school football in Florida, and it's a totally different thing to do that at Memphis. And that's why I think, Brian, maybe the camps are more important than the average fan realizes. Oh, yeah, no, coaches, I mean, they they talk about it all the time. That That's that hurt recruiting last year because you you really have to instead of evaluating with your eyes last year you had to evaluate you know with your ears talk to the high school coaches and you're hoping they're they're being honest with you because what's the high school coach's job get their kids to the next level so a lot of times 
high school coaches will tell you what you want to hear, not not the truth. And that, I mean, that's a good example of that would be when Justin Fuente got to Memphis and he was recruiting Memphis area kids. A lot of the high school coaches were like, you know, just just pumping up their players. And Justin would, you know, I mean, he flat out told me, he goes, the kids that uh, they were pumping up were just absolute garbage. They wanted me to take their garbage players, but not their good players. They were still trying to send their good players out of Memphis. So, you know, last year was a struggle for everybody. But yeah, this year, now that you can, you have the kids on campus, you can see him at the camps, you can see how he throws, uh, see how a kid runs, interacts with other players. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, that's the lifeline to me is the camps. I know everybody's wondering why we're laughing. My cat just walked right in front of the camera because, you know, he doesn't care. He's a cat. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I just think – and for the kids, it's got to be better to have these camps too, right, guys? Because yes, if, yeah. if you're – you know, Larry, you're the one that played, and, and you want to know how you stack up against that next guy. Not, not the little runt that you ran over from – MUS, not that guy. There were too many people. There weren't too many people smaller than me. But, but go ahead. anyway, you and you made up for being small by being slow. Right. Um, but you wanted to see how you stacked up against yes. another guy. And it wasn't, you know, you didn't have, I'm not trying to call you old, but like we didn't have huddle when we were younger. Like right. the only coaches had to come to the game or watch poorly filmed eight millimeter film of you to see how you competed. So that's when the camps kind of got their start. But, you know, as an athlete, you want to test yourself against other athletes. You don't want to just run over kids. I'll, I'll be a million percent honest. I think if there had been camps when I they, – there weren't really any camps when I when I was coming out. No, I they think weren't camps been, when I was in high school. No, right, there were no camps. So I think if there had been camps, I think I would have had more offers because when I got to Tech, um, they, they were surprised at, at how much I had developed over because I kind of got hurt my, my senior year and, and then I developed physically over, over that, that time and, and I had grown and, and gained weight and speed. So when I got to Tech, I was surprised. I was shocked at how well I competed against the guys that were already there. And I think if there had been camps, my confidence level would have gone up. So here's what I think happens. This is just an, my opinion. I think these kids, some of these kids go in there and they go, whoa, I'm not there yet. And I need to work on this and I need to develop here. And, and then there's those kids that go in and go, you know what? I'm pretty damn good. And, and I, need to, uh, I need to really kind of push it. So I think these camps are critical for a player's development, especially in high school. And to not have that for a year, I think that was really tough. And uh, you're right, John. I think those kids going in there, they're going to go in there. They're going to leave those camps. Some of them are going to leave there with a ton of confidence. Like, I know I can play. And then there's some of those that are going to leave there if, if they have the right mindset. They're going, I, I really need to get my ass in the, in, in the, the weight room and, and really lay down the commitment if I want to make this. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I go back, and I'll switch this over to basketball, too. Back back in the day when we had the Bluff City Classic, before Cal tried to kill it and was successful at killing it for it. a little while, you know, it was always, 
oh, I don't want the kids picking up bad habits. I'm like, so, so you mean to tell me that you don't want your kids on the floor with literal NBA players, not, and I don't mean, you know, guys who never see the floor, but legit NBA players, because you're worried that he's going to do some crossover dribble in a game on a Tuesday night against Tulsa. Come on. You want, the kids want to be there because they want to play the best in the world. Like, and, and it's not, that wasn't a problem that was unique to Memphis's summer league. Like you had Oklahoma City had a summer league where Russell Westbrook frequently played in their summer in their summer league games. Yep. Thad Young played in I watched 15 of them here. Baltimore, you had kids, you know, you had NBA players. Tony Allen played in a freaking Bluff City Classic game. And these kids love that. They want to, they want to compete. And in college, you don't get that opportunity, or in high school it, with football. You're not lining up across the field from the Memphis starting defense. You're not getting that, but you're still with kids that are considered your peers yep. and, and that are on par with you. And I some just that think, are considered better than you. And I just think that Silverfield has knocked this crap out of the park with that. Like, because he, he, he seems to know how to get the right kids to camp. And the reason you know that is you're starting to see kids commit you know, what, two weeks after, three weeks after camp, kids have decided where they're going to go. That's huge to me, and I just – my hat's off to, to Coach Silverfield. So now let's move on to something that's going to make Coach Silverfield's job and, frankly, our jobs a lot more difficult. So the Supreme Court issued a ruling last week that basically said the NIL, the name, image, and likeness uh, legislation that's pending in a bunch of states and – has been tied up in the court system is good to go. And it is Katie bar the damn door in about 27 hours from right now. It goes into effect at most places, July one, um, where kids, what this basically means is you can pay a kid and we'll just use an example. We were talking about off air. You can pay Larry Marley linebacker at Tennessee tech, $100 to do a 30-second commercial for your Chevy dealership in uh, Cookville, Tennessee. And I damn sure would have done it, by the way. <laughs> You'd have done it for laundry money. Um, or you can pay, he's gone now, but you could pay Brady White $1,000 to do a 12-and-a-half-minute podcast interview. And I'm making some of this crap up, but... So basically, the players can profit from their name, their image, and their likeness. There are a couple caveats. The biggest being they cannot be performance enhanced, meaning, okay, Larry, if you make 14 tackles this week, right. I'm going to give you $150 versus $100. Which they already do, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, above board, I'm going to give you $150 and yeah. not um, – Greg Williams on line one. Um, <laughs> but so, Brian, talk to me a little bit about what recruits think about this, because you're a broke kid living in North Memphis. We'll just use that, for example. Put a couple hundred extra bucks in my pocket. What's wrong with that? Kids like it. I mean, they more than like it. They love it. Because um, there's going to be. 
there's going to be a lot of opportunity. I know there's, there's like, you know, a couple schools of thought that it's only, you know, only the big schools are, it's really going to affect. And, and I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think every school is going to benefit from this uh, or every kid at a school, no matter what school you're at is going to ben- benefit from this. Cause let's just say you're here, you're here at Memphis. You're, you're not going to get the money that an Alabama kid is going to get or, you know, a Clemson kid is going to get, but you're still going to get something. Um, we could take uh, the kid that just uh, committed to, to Memphis, you know, uh, McKenzie, Kendall McKenzie. Let's say he's the biggest kid out of his area, which I mean, which is not, but let's just say, you know, he was the biggest, you know, star recruit from his area. Someone in his area, business in his area, would want to jump on that. I mean, they're going to say, hey, let me pay X amount for, for Kendall to, you know, showcase my, my business. So, you know, that's why I think, it, I mean, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good for the, uh, for the kids. But also, I, I think there's some unintended consequences because as we talked about at Rivals during our, you know, our, our conference call, let's just say, um, let's say Grant Gannell is a starting quarterback, but let's say he gets hurt. We want to interview him. SID says no. Coach says no. Guess what? We can go to his brand manager and say, we want to we want to do, let's pay X amount of dollars to have him on our podcast. You just bypass the SID. You just bypass the head coach who said no, and but you're going to pay for an interview. Now, basically what it is, you're not paying for an interview, but you're paying for him to access on a podcast where you're going to ask some questions. So I, 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 there's a there's a lot of good coming out of this, but I think there's going to be lots and lots of bad that we'll see pretty quickly. Well, well, here here here's where I'm coming from, and and I hadn't thought about the perspective you had about a kid that comes from I'll just pick on him again, Arab Alabama, small little town. Uh, I'll do another one, Utah Alabama, which is a population 37. Um. So maybe that local car dealer, that local Chevy dealer would pay recruit Brian Moss X number of dollars to a commercial and everybody knows who Brian Moss is in Utah, Alabama. My worry is Southern Miss, Arkansas State, Troy, uh, Miami of Ohio, Marshall, East Carolina, these teeny tiny little markets that frankly nobody other nobody really cares and how are we going to make sure and again everybody looks at me and goes why do you care well i care because i care about the health of college football in general how do we make sure that those kids they're not going to have the same opportunity that Brady White would have had at Memphis. Like that, that's just, that's not realistic. It's not realistic to think the second string defensive tackle at East Carolina, which is in Greenville, North Carolina, which one of my favorite sayings ever, our friend Jeb used to say, East Greenville, East Carol- or Greenville, North Carolina is a place you got to mean to go. Like you don't accidentally stumble through Greenville, North Carolina on a Friday night. How are we going to, how, how is the AAC 
Now, let's let's take everything else out. How is the AAC going to balance Memphis, Houston, Central Florida versus Navy? Here's one, Navy. Can they take NIL money? Is that a conflict of interest of some kind? Is there some sort of federal statute against that? Um, Tulane. So how are we going to keep it competitive with Dallas and Houston versus Memphis, even that way, Dallas and Houston versus Memphis and Orlando, or Dallas, Houston, Philadelphia, if anybody gave a damn about Temple, versus Memphis, Cincinnati, and Orlando markets? How do we keep that balance just within our league to make sure that our good teams in, despite what Athlon's magazine said, our good teams in Memphis and uh, our friends down in, in the Central Florida, the ones that know geography as opposed to the ones that don't at USF and East Carolina, how are we going to ensure that we keep some kind of balance across the board there, not just your crummy teams, nobody cares about East Carolina, but within your good teams? Is, it, is this something where the AAC is going to say, look, we want you to work with Open Doors, which is who Memphis is working with? Um, and I'm sure they're really smart guys with, I have an MBA, but, but I'm sure I'm incredibly stupid in their presence. Like they've got this all figured out, but that's kind of my thing is, is competitive balance. And how are we going to balance that with what just happened with the college football playoff? Like how, how does that all balance out to where Memphis is going to be financially able to compete not with Alabama and Clemson, whatever. But how are they going to be able to financially compete with what a Dallas or a Houston-based program can pay? Yeah, I'm not sure the, the conference will do anything um, because the schools, from my understanding, the schools won't really have control over – a kid's name image and likeness because it, it's going to be up to the kid's brand manager. Now schools like Memphis and, and other schools that will use open doors or stuff like that. There's no guarantee that the kid has to use that service. They can, and, and this was talked about in our, our meeting, a kid can say, you know, my uncle's go, is my handler, you know, in AAU. Right, yeah. well, now he's going to be my brand manager. You know, it's just, so there's no, even though, you know, open doors is going to be there for Memphis. The Memphis kids don't have to use it. So that's where I'm like, that's a, I think that's where it's going to get messy. Cause another thing to, to look at is you don't want coaches. And this is where I don't know how the NCAA is going to regulate this, but what's Poorly. going to stop. Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just use uh, Silverfield as an example and not say he hasn't done this or anything, but let's just say Penny, or Silverfield, you know, can tell a kid, well, we got FedEx. You know, we can get you X amount of money, you know, from FedEx. Is that a recruiting violation now going forward? Because you're you're preempting a, yes. a deal. As I understand it, yes. As I understand it, the school cannot. And again, I, I have, I'll be blunt. I did not read. I read about half. I should get a medal here. I read about half the Supreme Court decision. Um, yeah. But, but thing, I think, it, yeah, it, is, I think is it, it would be, but how do you regulate that? How, yeah. how can that actually be proven unless there's a paper trail? 
poorly. I mean, just, you know, like they <laughs> yeah. regulate everything else. But, but like, but like most rules, like most rules right now, how do you regulate that? But but here's the reality. You, you don't have to. Because when a kid comes in for an official visit, guys, this is how this works. So let's say, let's say Grant Gunnell had come in last year and they put him with Freddie White. And let's say the NIL was already in place. Grant would go, hey, what do you get? And he'd be like, well, you know, I do this thing for FedEx for $10,000 every summer. And, and Grant would be like, hmm, okay. I like that. I like that a lot. And, and, and that's how that works. When, when you have a kid in for an official visit, I, I, I had a lot of kids that came in to tech and we would take them out for the weekend. Right. And you would show them, okay, here's how this works. You do X, Y, Z. If your car is broken down, you take it to this guy. If you need this, this is where you go. I mean, that's how it works. The coaches aren't going to do that. They It'll don't the want to know. They don't want to yeah. know. Yeah. Culpable deniability. They, they they do, but but they but they don't. You know now what I mean? They have guys that the guys that there are guys that know that they know. Right. They know <laughs> what they know, and if you if you need to know, then they need to know. But they but they don't know, right? I, I know we're talking in circles here, but you you guys know exactly what I'm saying. So that's yeah. how this is going to work. The end. The, the the coaches will never have to tell a kid what they can make. Well, and and two here to be clear and fair. One of the recruiting pitches for Memphis since Tommy was here, since uh, John was here, when Josh was here, they set those kids up with internships at FedEx. Yep. Like that, that's a yeah. big recruiting tool. Like, hey, you can come in and be an intern at one of the top five countries or companies in the world. Well, so I now mean, is this just kind of that on steroids where? It's the worst kept secret in the world that Memphis should the Memphis Tigers should really be wearing purple and orange. Um, so you know, or AutoZone, or AutoZone, like, yeah. like, and that that is where I, I think what I do think this is setting up is it's going to set that divide even further because mm-hmm. Dallas and Houston are going to, ha- and I'm talking about SMU and Houston and, and SMU maybe S- look if somebody can make Alcock a bandit with this it's smu for a lot of reasons but i'm willing to well, they bet they certainly have the infrastructure already set up <laughs> they still have <laughs> but i'm willing to bet there is not a richer more politically connected uh more successful fan base in the aac than smu there is a lot of money floating around smu and a lot of big important people in texas that are associated with SMU. Um, and I don't mean that on, on a down, you know, I'm not talking about Pony Express stuff. I'm talking about legit success. Yeah. So like they SMU. Have, they have an actual presidential library on campus. Yeah. So SMU could benefit from this because let's be real. They got the money to just throw around. Um, Houston. I don't think enough people in Houston. I don't, I don't know Houston well enough. To know how connected they are, they don't. Um, nobody gives a damn. But well, on the surface, nobody <laughs> gives a damn. But up. how politically? And it's connected. a pro town too. To, yeah, and, and it's, that, and to it's me, a pro town. Yeah, a lot of these big cities. Uh, if if college isn't already big, I, I don't think they'll get as much money. I think Memphis 
to me, even though they have the Grizzlies, to me, Memphis is still a college town. Yeah. And I, I could be. That's correct. And basketball. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that the money will still be there for Memphis. But, you know, the, the other bigger cities, SMU, because they have the, you know, the huge, you know, donors already, I think they'll be fine. But I, that's, that's where I think Houston could struggle because do they really have the money and, and the, the city, do they really care about the Cougars? Does anybody, in, does anybody in New Orleans care about, about Tulane. Tulane as much as I care about uh, Willie Fritz? No. Like, I'm the president and founding member of the Willie Fritz fan club. I've been the only member of that fan club for the last four seasons. Like, I'm the guy. Because nobody in New Orleans gives a damn. So, and then Tulane and Northwestern and Rice and Vandy and Wake Forest, like, that's a whole different thing. Because not only, they struggle with recruiting now. They recruit a certain kind of kid today. Is that a kid that's going to be enticed by a $10,000 FedEx deal? Well, no, because that kid's going to, when he's done playing football, he's going to go make nine and a half million dollars as a doctor. So I just, there there are so many layers to this, and I just worry so much about these unintended consequences because I think this does a couple of things. Number one, it's going to divide, it's going to break the wedge even further. You know, if Memphis and Troy were 20 spots apart today in some sort of archaic poll uh, within 27 hours, there's 70 parts a spot or 70 spots apart because there is nothing, and I'm not belittling the fine people of the great city of Troy, Alabama, but there's nothing in Troy that compares to even UAB. Right. Let's let's make a more. See, I don't think it'll help. I don't think it'll help those schools. Some Absolutely. of those. Absolutely, UAB especially, right. bigger yeah. city, um, where there while there's not a ton of interest. Oh, I, I hate UAB with a passion. But their money, fans are so passionate for that program, and they feel so shafted by UAT that they will do anything to win. And I think this helps schools like UAB but it just destroys Southern Miss and it just destroys Troy and it just Marshall and East Carolina. Like it's just going to stretch that gap out. And, you know, I honestly hadn't even thought about it. So I said something, can Navy army air force players take NIL money? Is there something I, I, I don't know. So does this That's my knowledge me? they could or they can because they're, they're here. Here's my thing with that too. How is a kid at Navy going to have time? Because, you know, we hear yeah. this every year, how busy the kids at Navy are. Eh. Like, we hear this all the time. Like, that's always all they talk about during the game is, oh, this kid got up at 5 o'clock, and I'm like, I call that Tuesday. Welcome to life. The only difference is you're defending our country, and I'm selling travel. Um, but, like, are they going to be you're able to – a hell of a job of it, by the way. I want Thanks, to appreciate that. Uh, do can they capitalize on that? Are they going to have an opportunity? Um, because let's face it, I mean, they're not big fish in their own markets, but the difference yeah. that a Navy and an Army and an Air Force and a BYU kid alumni base with the yes. Navy, you know, and, and I, I said the three magic words I said BYU too, because they're kind of in that group. 
they yeah. have that's tentacles. Like, that's like New Orleans. That's like that's like Notre Dame. It, yep. It, 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 you 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 know so so there so some of those schools have like a built-in marketing group. Okay. And 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 that's where you're you're going to have some schools. I think we're going to be surprised by some schools. Um, I think there's going to be some schools small in smaller markets that have rabid fan bases that you're going to be able to market better than you possibly are thinking. Now, uh, let's. I'm not talking about ECU and Marshall, but but I'm just saying I do think there are some schools that are going to benefit. That we're not. I'll give you a good example. I could totally see a school like South Alabama in Mobile. I was just fixing to talk about them being able to utilize their because that's the only game in town, and 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 Mobile is such a a weird market and it's isolated. So that would be one. I would see would 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 could be beneficial, and it's a this. big enough market, right? Right, like like, and I'm I'm just picking on them, and, and no, I don't dislike them. Texas be, would be another one. They'll be here in Memphis in a few years, but like Troy, they're isolated in a very bad way. Right, they're over there in South Alabama. And there ain't nothing out there in Hattiesburg. I mean, our people in Southern Miss. I found that out in my mentions. Lord, forgive me for saying Southern Miss is not the team they were when they. I'm like, y'all are the ones that screwed up firing Jeff Bauer. That was on y'all. Y'all have the Jeff Bauer curse forever now. But it's like, what does this do to Hattiesburg? Like, what what does this do to Southern Miss? What does this do to Rice? How are they going to pay to play? Nobody cares. Texas Tech. There's another – there's a Power 5 school. Well, they're in Lubbock. I think they'll be okay. I do. Okay, Kansas. Nobody likes Kansas. They said before. That's nothing's going to change. But, I, but you know, their basketball the players will be fine. Absolutely. Their basketball <laughs> players. But see, here, here's the problem you're going to have is this is going to start to translate to on the field because yeah. a good player who, you know, the kids that were going to go to Alabama, Clemson, Texas. Um, Insert big name school. Yeah, Notre Dame, you know, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Yeah. I know I'm forgetting. Right, Ohio State, yeah. Oklahoma. Yeah, we take those Oklahoma. We take those kids out of this pool because yeah. there ain't no fifteen thousand dollar payment from Norman Power and White gonna talk some kid into going to Oklahoma because, well, for being real, and I'm, I'm not saying anything about Oklahoma. He's already getting fifty grand under the table, so another ten grand ain't gonna ain't gonna I, switch I think, the I think deal. Conservative there, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Find people, Norman, but you. have so you take out those six schools. So there's what 115 players. So that's 700 kids that are all. You just say those kids don't matter. So we're fighting Mississippi State. Hey, come to Starkville. Wow. You know, if you're a kid now, and you could go to Memphis or you could go to Mississippi State. It's not as far apart as it used to be. You're right. So, you know, hey, you come to Memphis and and Brady tells Grant, you know, look, I'm getting 15 grand from FedEx. And you go to Starkville and they're like, well, I got 12 grand from Jimmy John's Chevrolet or Ford Lincoln Buick. Cooper Tire, whatever. Cooper Tire. Yeah, I got 20 grand. It's like, okay, I could take a 20 grand check from Cooper Tire 
or I could take a 15 grand check from FedEx and an internship and a nearly guaranteed job when I graduate. Well, yeah, I, I think the schools that are going to be hurt are isolated geographically. I, I don't think this, I, you know, I just picked Mississippi State. I don't think the Power Five is immune to this because I think no. there's some P5 schools that are going to hurt. Because what some kids will do now, because like right now they look and they're like, okay, my path to the NFL is better this school compared to this school. But now mm -hmm. I, I think not every kid, but I do think a lot of kids will, instead of looking at the NFL as their end game, they're going to start looking at the dollar signs. Where can I make more money? If I can make more money at Memphis compared to a, you know, Vanderbilt or Ole Miss or Mississippi State, you know, somewhere like that, you know, if I can make more money quicker at Memphis, well, I'm going to go to Memphis because it's going to pad my pack, pockets quicker. And, 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 and there's nothing preventing you from going to the NFL if you're that good. Yeah. The, 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 because you're on the same ESPN. Here's, here's the, and I actually had, I remember uh, former uh, AD, associate AD at Memphis, I'll tell you who it was, Bill Lawton. Um, he and I sat down and talked about this years ago, back when, when Memphis was trying to get into the old Big East. He actually said this. He said, if, if Memphis could get into the Big East, we would, he, he never said we would overtake schools like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but he did say we could catch those schools relatively quickly because of that very issue. And this was before the NIL. He said, how many of, 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 of those kids would rather go to Memphis, be in a large market where, you know, more familiar surroundings, what they're used to, or would you go to the, go to Oxford and, and uh, or, or Starkville? Well, frankly, look, beautiful schools, but it's the middle of nowheresville mississippi and that has a reputation let's say for what it is well right you know and it's and it and it goes back to one of my favorite things that d'angelo always said he said when i went to my official visit at old miss i asked them what they do for fun he said we go to memphis d'angelo's like why am i going to come live in oxford if i can just go to memphis like and bypass right. it so think about all right there's a good example think about d'angelo williams in the nil you know because here's the thing How's this going to work? So D'Angelo comes to Memphis and explodes his sophomore year. So are these NIL deals, are they year-to-year -year like your scholarship is? Are they long-term deals? Are they percentage deals based on future earnings? Like how are the deals structured? Like I have an MBA dude, and like I am so lost at how this is going to work. Like, well, from what I've seen so far, because I've messed around with the Open Doors network, you know, signed up just to see who who's on there right now and, and what deals you can book. It, it looks like it's a one time thing. Like if you want a commercial or if you want, you know, hey, I want someone to come over for, you know, a wedding anniversary party or, you know, something like that. it's just a one time deal. I don't see anything as of yet. But yeah, well, I'm talking hasn't started yet. I'm talking more about the relationship between D'Angelo Williams and Open Endorse versus me oh, and okay. hiring D'Angelo. Like, how does that work? Is it do I sign when I sign my NLI? Is my NIL <laughs> kind of in <laughs> conjunction with that? And is it my entire college career? Is it year to year? Because if I'm a kid, I kind of gosh, what do you want? Do you, you know, if I think I can explode my sophomore year, I want a one-year deal. I don't want to sign. Yeah, I think it would be yearly. 
but man, if I'm a, but then the other side of that, if I'm a, it's gotta be year to year guys, because and here's why, here's why it has to be because if, if he's no longer on scholarship with a given school, then that NIL cannot be applicable. So even if he's, let's say he signs a four-year NIL open for open doors with the university and the university of Memphis, if he transfers, that's out. So it's it's got to be year to year. Is there, it out? No well, it, it just it, it, open doors would just be your brand manager. Yeah, there's no time. That's it. So it, you yeah. can go anywhere you want. You know, okay, and you can yeah, you can hire and fire your brand managers at, at, at will. Like if Mackenzie Milton would have had a a brand manager at UCF when he went to FSU, uh, that dude's still his brand manager. Like, right, it would have just gone with him. So why don't but, we just call this what it is? That's their agent. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Why are we? Well, and a, a lot of sports name? agencies, a lot uh, watch Absolutely. a lot of sports agencies, CAA. I bet you they're going to have a division of brand management. So if you can, you can have CAA as your brand manager. Once you go to the NFL, you know it'd be easier. Hey, we're already your brand manager. Come sign with us. Let me be your sports agent. Like yep. I could see that happening. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how this is going to roll. And look, guys, let's say this for what it was. Okay, um, this was already happening. Now it's just happening above board because what was going on before? Let's lay this out. Well, and so it's still going to go on. Let's be clear before you get into it. But go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but 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 now but now they'll be able to do it. Most of it. Uh, it'll be it'll be. You know. I don't, I don't think this changes any of the undersurface stuff. Well. Okay, well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But here, here's 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 how here's how it used to work. Okay, so you'd have you'd have your, your your runner, which would now be a brand manager for that agent, and he and he would come and he would sign a kid. Well, I I'll say I guess I could say this for what it was. This is kind of what happened with DJ Jeffries at Memphis. Okay, he he. This is why how he ended up at Memphis, honestly. But 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 because the guys that were 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 his runners were told him like you can't leave Kentucky and go to Mississippi State. We're not paying you to go to Mississippi State. You, you can't do that. And so we ended up in Memphis. That's kind of what happened. And, and, and then when it became obvious that he wasn't going to be the big pick that they thought he was going to be, they basically cut him off. And so then he was free to go where he wanted. And that's kind of what happened there. That's at least that's what I was told. And, and that's what happens with football players. Like if they think he's going to be big, they, they pay you X amount. I mean, I don't know how, who they pay. They pay somebody X amount of money. And, 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 and you, when you get to the pros, then you sign with them. That's how that works. And, and now they'll be able to, that, those same guys will be able to sign these guys with these NILs and, and they can give them that money by doing podcasts or whatever. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, me, that's I mean, the way it's going to work. I, I, <laughs> I think so. I don't think the below board money is going to change. I I think that you know, and and again, this is another case of if the NCAA would have gotten out of their own way and just agreed to pay players, we wouldn't be here. Like like we wouldn't be having this conversation if they would have said, okay, if you want to be a member, because here here's what people forget about the NCAA. These schools are free to leave at any time. There is no 
Like if Texas, Alabama, old, no, not Ole Miss, Texas, Alabama, take the top 15 NCAA schools right now. If they said, you know what, we're tired of your crap. We're going to go start a league where we can pay our players. There's nothing, literally nothing stopping them from doing that right now other than conference contractual agreements, which I still think, it, I still think the NCAA is dead. I, I think that this is the nail in the coffin because these schools are going to look around, and I, I'm still convinced of this. One day, Alabama is going to wake up and go, what the hell are we giving Ole Miss $17 million a year of our money? Because you got to remember, that's how they view this. That's their money that they are giving you out of the goodness of their heart. And so the, this is going to start that chain of where if the NCAA would have just said, look, you are going to give X percent of your revenue, of your profit or your revenue, whatever stupid formula you want to come up with, to your players, and here's the formula you're going to use. They do that five years ago. We're not having this conversation because it is asinine that these kids put all this effort in and put all this time in and don't see a dime. And the first push, well, they're getting a college education. That's great. I got $70,000 worth of student loan debt too. So that, that, that argument doesn't fly with me. But again, if the NCAA would have just gotten out of their own way and said, hey, we're going to take your revenue and you are required to be a member of the NCAA, you are required to put X of that aside for this. But no, that, that was far too sensical and, and you know, because well, then here, they, here's they, my they, thing. So these kids with the NILs, do they get 1099s at the end of the year? They going to have to pay taxes on that? Yes. Who's going to pay those taxes? Not this poor broke college kid. With these wonderful brand managers, is there a financial advisor that says, hey, I know you got $1,000 this month, but you got to put $250 of that over here in this bank account for the IRS every quarter? Well, here's what's going to be interesting because I don't, I don't know. There are some states that actually have income tax, some states that don't have an income tax. And how are they going to tax that? Because in some states, Tennessee, for example, athletes have to pay a, a higher yep, tax. A bracket, professional privilege tax. Yep. Which I used to have to pay as well. Thank God they got rid of it. But um but anyway, that's so that is that's an interesting aspect, which the it's going to take years. Let's just say this for it is. This is going to take years for, for, for this to reverberate out and, and all this to get sorted out. Um, but when it does, I will predict a couple of things. I think that when it all gets sorted out and, and we sort of get down to a homeostasis, I think you're going to see, you, A, we're going to be surprised at the schools that benefited. I do believe that. And I do believe that this, I don't agree with you on Ole Miss and uh, you know Alabama suddenly deciding the SEC sucks and they're going to leave it. But I think what will happen is that you're going to see um, the conferences realign on this i think this will be a springboard for conference well and i don't think it's going to be conference realignment i think what's going to happen here is the top 25 i i, I couldn't give you the list right now of the top 20 programs i think they're going to just completely break away because 
how, because again, and I tell people, you know, people get so bent out of shape when I say this, but how is Alabama going to make more money? Does Alabama make more money by playing Ole Miss once a year, or could they make more money by playing Texas two times a year? I think they may, and you're not just disagreeing with this. I think they make more money by staying in the SEC and playing a three-game schedule. Who, who's going to watch I, Alabama the, and Ole Miss when I can watch Alabama and Texas? Because, like, John, because they, they make money by winning national championships, and they make more money when they can uh, – so, so here's here's – because it's not just the money you make on the field. It's the other side of it, too. And, 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 and I think I, – let me put it a different way. Was Nebraska making more money when they were in the Big Eight than they are in the Big – whatever they're in, Big Ten now? The answer is, okay, they get more TV revenue from the Big Ten, but they had a hell of a lot more notoriety and a hell of a lot more – when they only had to beat Oklahoma every year to go play for the national championship. I mean, that's just is what it is. But notoriety doesn't pay the bills. Well, and and I, I think my, my point that I'm trying to make is if you are you, – because you have to think about this from – because, look, college football is content today. I think we can all agree on that. That's all it is. It's, it's yep. network content. It's content for the TV networks. I can put Alabama and Ole Miss, and I'm just I'm picking on Ole Miss, not for any particular reason tonight. This time, they're they're good to pick on. Yeah, I can put them at two thirty on a Saturday afternoon, or I can have Alabama and Notre Dame play twice to see. You know, take the top twenty five, take the top thirty teams. They play each other twice. Whatever, whatever it looks like. I don't know the answer, but I can guarantee you that Alabama and Notre Dame is going to pull a much bigger number than Alabama and Ole Miss, and nobody's going to remember that Alabama SEC championship game. And I, I, I just – I think that's where we're headed because this has – college football has left the building. Like, like, this is gone. This is about content because, look, this NIL thing's proven it. This is about content and value. That's all this is about. This is not about who has the better running back or who has the better defensive back or who the more intriguing matchup is. Who is going to put the most asses in seats and eyes on TV? That's where this is headed because that impacts the NIL. Alabama winning another national championship doesn't impact the NIL as much as knowing that that. Brian Moss, it, the star linebacker for the University of Alabama, is the spokesman for my business, and I can go on a I can go on a commercial and say, "Hey, did you see what Brian Moss did last week against Notre Dame? He had 14 tackles and three sacks and two touchdowns. Like that's a bragging point for me, as having Brian kind of on my team, and that's a much bigger sell when Alabama's playing Notre Dame than it is when they're playing Ole Miss. Like it just." That's where I think this shakes out is you're going to have a group of schools that now have been basically given carte blanche and a blank checkbook, because I don't know that there's a cap. Is there? Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. So it's Katie bar the damn door. And we're going to take these top 30 schools who are already going to be able to pay more. Again, to me, it goes back to the Penny and Justin thing. Why are we following all these damn archaic rules? 
Like, has anybody ever seen the NCAA rulebook for recruiting? Uh, yes. It's. I mean, uh, it was thirty years ago. But yeah, I think sorry. it's fourteen hundred pages or something like that right now. So Alabama goes. Why do I pay ten guys to figure that crap out? I want to play football, and I want to make all the money I can, and I want to make all these kids rich so that more kids come down with them to get rich. Like that's what this is. And this is where the unintended consequences come in, but it's not just Alabama separating themselves from Memphis. Now Memphis separates itself from Troy or East Carolina or insert outpost here. Uh, UTEP. Why is UTEP even going to have a football program going forward? Like, well, well, why do they have one now? I mean, I guess would be a legit question, but does this cause a uh, what are the contraction of FBS where schools go? What are we doing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, how yeah. much money is? And I'm just picking on the New Mexico State. How much I mean, money is New Mexico State leaving on the table? By not dropping down to FCS, like if they if Memphis dropped to FCS, that would be a catastrophe. Like that would be horrible. But New Mexico State, what is the difference? Now that they're going to have the NIL and all this other crap, what is the difference in them playing extremely low level FBS football and being able to compete in the FCS? What's the difference? Why should I have an FBS budget with FCS results? I mean, Uh, to me, I think it's just you want to compete at the highest level. I don't. Could there be some schools that drop down? I'm sure. I mean, there's there's schools that have dropped down. But I I don't see I don't think there's going to be a lot of that. Um, I still think, you know, there may be conference realignment uh, coming soon. But uh, I don't see a breakaway from the NCA anytime soon. It may be where it's headed, but I just don't see it anytime soon. I, I think what you'll see sooner is, you know, the push for the extended playoffs. You know, we want 12 schools. We want six, you know, 16, whatever it's going to be. You know, I think that will come soon. And I think once that happens, I, I think everything else will die down a little bit. And does the breakaway the, kind of take care of itself when that happens? Yeah. You know what I mean? Does it kind I, of – you know, yeah. Are we getting to the same spot? And with the NIL stuff, I think there'll be a big influx of money, you know, because it's all, it's new, it's shiny. Let's see what we could do. And I think after a few years, it'll level itself out. I think it'll, you know, I guess normalize, you know, you'll see, you won't see as big of deals happening. Um, I, I think you'll see the big schools have big deals and then everybody else, it'll be just, I don't want to say normal, but you, I mean, you won't have, big time players, but, you know, starting off, I could see lower schools getting some bigger deals or lower school kids getting some bigger deals because it's so shiny and new. But after the newness wears off, that's where I think it'll, it'll die down. You know, but we'll school, see. you know, a school that I think could benefit from this. And I, I just thought about them, boy, what would this do for UNLV's football program? Like you want to talk about a market that has money <laughs> to just, Basically, that they crap out every day. Like, uh, I know. Well, another one, Nevada. Their program. They're up in Reno. They're just there's just all kinds of money laying around up there. 
basketball. Let's talk basketball for a second. Creighton, like all that money up there. I forget mm-hmm. who the brothers are that are up there. Is it, who are the brothers that are up there? The Maloofs? Aren't they Creighton? Anyway, uh, Warren Buffett. That's him. Duh. Warren Buffett is it? Is it uh, in Omaha? Like, these are programs that, that and Larry, I, I think you're probably right to an extent that there are going to be some surprisingly, yep. some surprise benefactors here. Um, and I think we've named a couple of them and, it, and it's all, it's all relative, right? Like UAB is not suddenly going to be on par with the AAC, but are no, but they going to separate themselves out from within the other members conference of USA, USA? Right, right. right because, like middle, like middle could, middle could legitimately benefit because you've got Nashville right there. They, there's a, there, there's a huge, you know, base right there, but then if you turn around the inverse of that on the other side of Nashville, you look at Western Kentucky, that's, that's the bad isolation that you talked yeah. about, John. And, 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 and that's exactly, I think, so I think you'll see one school again, I could be totally wrong here. It could be the inverse, but my, my, my suspicion is that a school like middle will benefit or a school like Western Kentucky will not benefit, even though they're so they're relatively close to national. Why I, is- I just why is the Mac going to continue to play football? Tell me a big market in the Mac, a legit Mac market. Buffalo, Toledo. I, I, I know, but I mean, it's a legit market. Yeah, about Akron. Like, I mean, you do have you do have you do have the whatever the Illinois and Chicago is. Um, do they care? It's that's a sport. That's a pro sports town. Well, I mean, in there you've got Northwestern and Illinois. And they don't even care about Northwestern. And they don't care about Illinois either. And it's less than an hour away. Think mm. about a poor school like Ball State. Like, what are they going to do? Northern Illinois. Man. Like, who's selling anything in DeKalb? I mean, man. You know, if you, if you, if you, if you, I've been to the campus of Ball State. Jeez. Beautiful campus, but my God, it's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you got that's that's man. my that's my worry because. As a as big of a Memphis fan as I am, I want to see everybody to succeed because, like people say, baseball is better when the Yankees are good, basketball is better when the Lakers are good, college football is better when we're all good. Like college football does not benefit from haves and have-nots. Like there's no benefit there for Memphis to not be able to walk on the field with Alabama. Like. You know, we showed in that Cotton Bowl, we showed we could be on the field with Penn State. Did we have some deficiencies? Absolutely. But we still showed that we belonged on that field. We didn't get embarrassed. We didn't get run off the field. Um, we're unlike uh, Northern Illinois and Florida State a few years That's ago or Georgia and Hawaii. Okay, like, there he is. There's yeah. a school, Hawaii. <laughs> could they be a huge benefit? Not really. There's nobody, mon- no money in Hawaii. Nobody cares. I mean, there's money in Hawaii, but nobody cares. Washington State. Wow, Pullman. That'll well, draw to me. Man. That's where I, they're not going. The kids, the schools, ain't going to pull in any money. Like, I mean, because right. they're right. not, they don't control the NIL. It's the players, you know. And I do think, you know, the Hawaii's and the, the Washington State. Some players, not not everyone's going to benefit, but the top players at the schools, they're the ones that are, that are going to benefit. But then the problem you've got, Brian, is. I'm, I can be a top player in Pullman or I can be a top player in Memphis. Like, like that's the advantage for Memphis. Yes. We're not as far apart from Pullman 
well, nobody's ever close to Pullman, Washington, but we'll, we'll bring a little closer home. We're not as far apart as Starkville now. Like the, that, that gap has closed significantly mm-hmm. with this because there are not enough large companies that can afford, like Travel by John can afford to have Larry Marley pay him $100 to have a radio commercial that runs for a month. Like I can afford that. I cannot afford to have Larry Marley as my brand spokesman at four events, you know, four times a year or whatever. FedEx can. So FedEx will get Larry Marley to do that. Uh, Larry, you're hired, by the way. And I would damn sure do it. (laughs) But that's that's where I think the the impacts. People are like, well, schools aren't impacted. But they are because the top players now can go, I can either, because used to, like what was the argument against Memphis, right? Nobody will ever see you on TV. That was the argument 20 years ago. And then there was the argument. I had two Memphis football tickets on my dash. Somebody broke in my car, and now I got four. And now that's gone away. So that it's that's gone. And so now uh, let me help you. Oh, I think Larry froze. I think we all got so excited. It could be my internet connection. Go ahead, go ahead, Larry. Anyway, no, no, no. So so it's all good. So one of the things that I think could be an unintended, and I've thought about this a lot. One of the things I think could be an unintended consequence here is you could legitimately have a star player at a school that decides I want to transfer to another school simply because I can get a better deal Mm -hmm. at another school. Now, do I think a a star player at um, Oklahoma or Ohio State will transfer? No, but I could see a star player at Tennessee or Memphis if he could get an opportunity to go to Oklahoma or could do that. Now, this is where it gets into the unintended consequences because at that point it becomes a bidding war, right? And at that point, does a school, a school like ECU doesn't have the resources or doesn't have the backing to keep that kid. Whereas what you're saying is, and I don't know that FedEx would do it. I have no idea. No. But 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 right. but maybe they do. Maybe they do say, you know what? D'Angelo Williams is a really important part of Memphis, and we don't want to see him go to Arkansas, or we don't want to see him go to Ole Miss, so we're going to pony up $35,000 for his NIL next year, and you know, he stays at Memphis. That, to, me, that's, that, to me, that's what you're actually referring to, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, and I think you got to put two things in perspective here. You've got that, and everybody says, well, it's separate from the school. But um, as I have to remind people all the time when they talk about social responsibility and all this nonsense they talk about with companies, corporations have one purpose and one purpose only. That is to maximize shareholder value. That's it. That's all they care about. So they want maximum, maximum exposure for their dollars that they're spending. And where can I get more eyeballs and more exposure in Starkville, Mississippi, or in Memphis? Well, yes. So now, now here's what happens. Are you going to have brand managers steering kids? Absolutely. 
because they're going to be doing NILs in high school. So too. what I think, and I think Brian, you said that on our on our little text the other night that this is going to make its way down the high school level. It's going to trickle and, down, yeah. Uh, and think about CBHS. Be, we'll yeah. pick on them. They're a good program. They have what three to four and, Division One players every year. And, and 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 believe me when I tell you, they have lots of alumni who are willing to pay. I'm being de- I mean I'm being dead serious about this. Can you imagine LeBron James in the NLI era? You know, seventeen. I think he's going to break the bank. Is is uh, the Manning kid, Cooper? Is it Arch? No. Arch, Arch Manning. Arch, yeah. He's going to. I think he'll have the biggest deal out there because so, of his name. So, so this is a great question, Brian, and this is for you. So, Arch Manning, does this change how he is recruited now? Because Instead of him just, I mean, I, I think most people thought, and, and, and he, he was down to two schools, and I don't ask me who they were. I know he was looking at, like, I think Clemson and somebody. I, I don't give me the line because I don't keep up with 16-year-old kids. Uh, I've got two of them. I don't need any damn more to keep up with. But, <clears throat> but, but my question for you is this. He is, he is dead in the middle of the meat of his recruiting because he's, what, a, a sophomore? Going to be an up and coming junior this year. Junior, I think. Yeah, junior this year. This year, he what? He, he just finished his sophomore year. Yep. <clears throat> this is the meat because those of you who don't know, you can't recruit a kid until he's a junior. Until the the it used to be this way, Brian. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't you can't legally recruit a kid until he's going into his junior year, the summer before his junior year. So this is right when he's starting. This is when he's mm-hmm. okay. Does this change how he's recruited? No, I, I think it changes how everyone's recruited because you've seen schools already mention the NIL in their recruiting pitches. Um, you know, Jalen Duran, the, the top uh, kid prospect and in, in, in rivals for basketball, came to a official visit to Memphis. He was blown away by the presentation and he specifically mentioned on numerous interviews how he was impressed with the NIL presentation. It's not even here yet, but schools like Memphis are already pitching it. You know, this is, you know, and that's why I think a lot of schools could get in trouble because I'm like, I don't know, I, I, I didn't see the pitch. I've just heard about it. But if you could say this is how much you can make here at Memphis, I, I don't know where that line is, you know, from where it's going to be a recruiting violation. Well, I, I can tell you from experience with MLMs, multi level marketing, this is not remotely the same thing. But the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, says that when you make income statements, you have to validate those publicly. You can't say, I made $100,000 last year selling CBD oil without then showing I made $100,000. Like if you watch YouTube and you, they do it sneaky now, but you see the videos where they're like opening the checks from this magical real estate scheme that's going to make us all rich beyond our wildest dreams. And they're right. showing you the actual checks. That's why they do that. People think they do that to entice They do it to entice, but they also have to legally do that. And I think that's where that could get into trouble because now I've got to say, 
how I made that $50,000. And as a school, if I'm unwilling to disclose that Larry Marley broke his pinky toe in practice last week, I am not going to put all of my NLI agreements out on front street for everybody to see. Like that's, that's going to be what they call one of those closely held secrets. Like they're, 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 unless they have to show that and say, but now I don't know if FTC rules are going to apply to that, but like, you can't just make income claims. You can't just say, oh, well, you're going to make $60,000 and schools aren't going to do that because then when the kid gets hurt and doesn't make $60,000, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. Like, you can say, here's what we're doing for the NLI program, and here's how we're handling it. But I think you can't say, you know, our players last year made over $200,000, because I, I just don't think they're going to go down that road. So then, then, Brian, my next question becomes with recruits, do you think, because here's what I think is going to happen. Used to, dad or mom got that check, and you know what check I'm talking about. Yep. is the brand manager the one that gets that check now I, yes. I think you're going to see a lot of that and i can you'll see uh i can just foresee people brand managers get in trouble for accepting money to try to push a kid somewhere you know one way or another and that that's where you know, the, the NIL stuff with high school kids, like, you know, it's going to, it's going to trickle down. You've already seen some high school kids now say, you know, Hey, you know, with the NIL, my DMS are open. I mean, you're, you're still in high school. You're not even in college yet. And they're, they're talking Especially about freshmen and sophomores who can't legally be recruited yet anyway. Yep. And I mean, when you were talking about injuries, I just, I mean, it popped in my head, you know, no college coach loves to talk about injuries. Silverfield, you know, going back to, you know, Fuente, just lower leg. To talk about injuries. Yeah. You know, lower leg or just, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's he day coming to day. back. He'll be back when he comes back. Well, guess what? Now, yeah. hey, I'll, I'll just go on open doors, book a kid for a podcast and ask him myself. <laughs> I mean, yeah, just, I hadn't even thought about ooh. that. Yeah. With the, the, when you said injuries, that's the first thing that popped in my head. I can get an injury update on a kid just by booking them for a podcast. How's your rehab going? I I told Brian, I told Brian this yesterday when we were on the phone together, I said, there's going to be, it's going to be, this is going to go less than 24 hours. And a kid is going to say something that's going to cause a coach's head to explode. (laughs) And, 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 it's it, literally that's how long this is going to take because he's going to say something. Forget injuries. He's going to talk about another player or he's going to talk about another program and he's going to put bulletin board material up or he's going to say something stupid. It's going to happen. And th- this is, this is a, from a coaching standpoint, this is a nightmare waiting to happen because somebody, the first thing they're going to have to do is they're going to have to get these kids and they're going to have to get an SID or somebody in there to go, look, we understand you're getting paid. We understand that, 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 that we can't, we can't stop you from talking, but here's what we can do. If you say something stupid, you ain't playing Saturday. Oh, I disagree with that. Nah, oh, nah. I, 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 if, if it's not a star player, I'll, I'll put man, that in the same category that I put this BS that I hear and see on social media all the time. 
oh, well, you know, if your social media is not clean, then, you know, we don't recruit you. Bullshit. If you can run fast and jump high, I'm recruiting you. Like, and I know coaches want to put that out there, but no. And, and I think the kid goes, you can't do that. Because I, think I think that would now, work in the past, but the, the kids nowadays are, I, I don't know. I, they can, like, they may entitled not, they, may be the wrong word, but they can the kids nowadays are entitled. I can tell you that. That's yeah. fine. Run me. And guess what I'm going to do next year now that there's a transfer portal and I can yeah. go without recompense, I'm going to go play for Lane Kiffin and, and you can just keep running them damn laps yourself. Like that, that's, that's one of the unintended consequences that we're yeah, talking about right, John. is right. that you've, and, and look, the kids needed some power, like the, they, they needed some, I mean, I, I don't, you know, anybody who disagrees with that, I want to slap upside the head. The kids needed some power and control over their well-being. Cause look, we're not typically talking about kids eating with a silver spoon here. So these kids need to cash in while they can. But what you've done when you've combined the NIL with the transfer portal is that scenario that Larry and I were just joking about. You know, Lamar Chance, who's the SID at Memphis, goes to Kid A and says, look, I know I can't do anything, but just please don't talk about these 10 things when you come on Tigers tonight. Just, just don't talk about those 10 things. Well, if we get that list ahead of time, what are not, not us, but – What's somebody going to do? They're going to ask one of those 10 things. And the kid, being a kid, knows his money's in the bank anyway. He's going to answer the question. And then the coach is going to say, we told you not to do that, so now you're going to run every day after practice for two weeks. And the kid's going to go, I'm not going to run here. I'm going to run to Oxford, and I'm going to run there. Or I'm going to go down there where he's not going to hassle me. And I think that, to me, the two big unintended consequences I have are how does this hurt smaller programs, which nobody cares about? I'm apparently the only person that does. And the combination of NIL and transfer portal. Um, you've taken what you've done now, as you've said, and we used to joke about this with Josh when he got the job. You've taken the keys to the Porsche and handed them to the 17-year-old kid. Because they have all the control. They've got whatever fancy word, they got the stroke, whatever Whatever fancy term the kids use nowadays, the kids have it now. The SIDs, Brian, you said it. They can't stop it. Yeah. Coaches can't stop it. Laird Veach can jump up and down and be mad about it all he wants. He can't stop it. Um, the assistant coach can't stop it. And now the kids have all the power because they're not only capitalizing financially. If you don't play ball with me, I go take my ball and go play somewhere else. And I ain't leaving Memphis and having to go to Martin. I can leave Memphis and go to Oxford, or I can leave Memphis and go to Starkville. But then how does that play in with the NIL that they signed? You know, is an NIL for a starting quarterback in Memphis worth the same as a second-string quarterback in Auburn? Just throwing a town out there. How, who determines those values? Like, what happens when the kid goes, coach won't play me, I want to go somewhere else? Yeah, I think the market will dictate the uh, the pricing. I mean, it just it, it's, it's going to be a free market, Brian. I think initially yeah. it's going to be high, and then it'll settle in to a there'll there'll be a a range that the market will 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 pay. So if you if you're a starter on a you know 
uh, you picked on Troy. Let's pick Troy. You're a starter at Troy. You get twenty five dollars for doing X Y Z, and you know, and and that, you know, and 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 here's here's what I ultimately think how this will happen. A, a kid, a kid will say, you know, it's not worth my twenty five. I'm not going to waste my time for twenty five dollars, right? And I think that that's going to you're going to see a lot of that. And then you know, if a kid wants to say, hey, you know what, I want to make a cool $25 this week, you know, and I'll do something, you know, or whatever. But that, that, that's really what I think is going to settle into. And then it, it's just like everything else in entertainment. It'll be a very feudalistic with the, the top guys will make all the money and then everything else will kind of trickle down into it. I'll, I'll also right? worry about the, just like you talked about the, the, the time aspect with the service academies, I can see, you know, because fans can can hire the kids now too, you know. I I want uh, you know I want Grant Canell to give me a shout out on Twitter, you know, or anything, you know. If you get fifty thousand fans, you know, want you want you to do something, you know, that time period, you know, how are you going to get all that done? So I mean, that's that's to me, that's another unintended consequences is the time requirement for these kids to do what they're paid to do and still do all their schooling and do all their studying and, and study up on the playbook and things like that. So, I mean, while the kids may love the money, they're going to have to learn how to do time management too. I, I, will, I, I will say this. That's what the SID used to do. He used to say, well, oh, yeah. you can't, you, you can't do eight interviews. Um, not me, shit. Nobody want to talk to me. But but I'm just saying, like, but but it, and nobody attacked with even with that. But I'm just saying, like, if you ever work with the SIDs, they'll tell you, like, my main job was to to talk to the counselors and go, okay, this kid is only available for this time, and and there's nobody there to do that now. But anyway, I, I we've probably talked about that too much. But I I, I just think this is we're going to figure out where we're, where we're going here very very soon. And I predict that even by the end of this semester, I think that you'll see something coalesce because it's going to be a matter of time before somebody says something stupid, does something stupid, uh, or just is stupid. I mean, you know. Let's just or, say if you're, or if you're a kid that knows you're going to transfer, you can come on our podcast Boy. and you, you just – you just destroy, you just nuke the program on your way out the door. <laughs> like that's what's going to happen. Like, that will and daddy and, uncle, and how soon before a news outlet or, or media outlet kicks off the SID and all of a sudden your, your credentials get pulled for some odd reason. You know, I could see that happening as well. Well, you know, they can't say, well, because you circumvented us and just paid the kid to, Directly, but they'll find a way to make your life miserable. I'm wondering well, who's that person. Who's that I think credentials will get pulled when the kid says something dumb, and and he gets goaded into it by some goofy reporter. I do yeah. think that'll happen. Or or a lot of fan sites, a lot of fans starting, you know, blogs, and then trying to get credentialed and now well before you you would have to try to get credentialed to, to ask interviews and to get interviewed with the kids now they can bypass the whole process and just hey i, I want you for my personal podcast 
So that, I just don't like how you can circumvent the, just go around the SID. I, I just, I really hate that. Well, I, I think, I, I think that what schools are going to have to adjust to is that reporters are there to cover the program. And if they get to interview the kids, that's great. But if not, we still got a deadline. Like we still, and, yeah. and I, I've, I've always been that way when I hear reporters who eat for free, go to the games for free, uh, have unfettered access to coaches and whatever. And then when a coach locks practice down, they complain about access. Well, you don't have to interview Brady White to tell the story of how the game went. I mean, that's a nice piece, but I don't need a, like I talk about when we write stuff for TSR. If you're looking for somebody to come in and write a box score, I'm not your guy. Like, cause yeah. Anybody with a brain can figure that stuff out. So I think that, that what SIDs are going to have the adjustment are they're just going to have to get used to, I don't call and ask whoever the SID over football is if I can talk to great Grant this week. I'm just calling him and asking if I can go to practice on Tuesday because if I can talk to Grant, I've already established that relationship. Like, with with his brand with his brand quote brand manager slash agent slash runner i've built that relationship with grant and i don't need your permission like you're not my real dad like i, I just you know i don't have yeah. i don't have to get your approval to talk to the kid because my business relationship with him is one-on-one -on -one. i don't see big media outlets play in that game like I don't see Channel 5 agreeing to pay a running back $100 to get an interview. Like, I don't, I don't think that dies. I think there's still, there's still going to be media availability after games with players. You know, back in the old days before COVID, when we used to all gather around and, mm -hmm. and, and three players come out and the coach comes out and tells us how great everything was and how hard everybody played. Like, I think that all still exists. I don't think that really goes away. What I think is either hurt or helped is this. This is where the change is. Because you're right, Brian. If we decide, you know what? I want Grant Gannell on the podcast next week. I ain't calling Lamar. And I'm not picking on Lamar. I'm just, you know, using an example. Oh, right. I'm not calling Michael. I'm calling Larry, who's who's Grant's brand manager. And I'm saying, hey, 100 bucks. Do you want a check, credit card, or cash? What do you want? because we want Grant on the podcast next week. And I think that the sooner the SIDs realize there's nothing they can do about that and that it's not going to be Channel 5, and I'm just saying them 1324, any of the big outlets, TSR, you know, it's not going to be us that are going to suffer. Is it going to be the fan blog that, went and specifically with the intent of getting Grant to say something bad about Arizona, who they're playing in a bowl game in three weeks. Like is, is that guy going to get his credentials pulled? Absolutely. Like yes. he sh probably shouldn't be credentialed in the first place. We could argue. Right. So I, I think that's going to shake out fine. I think those of us that are established, you know, and I put us in that category. I mean, we've been around. Well, on, Brian. Well, Brian's been oh, around. Totally. We, 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 we Since 06? What's that? Hey, look, Larry, Larry, we're hitching to this wagon. So, you know, we've been around since 06, if anybody right. asks. Um, we, we've hooked our, our, our to this train. We've hooked our cab to this we're, train. We're, we're yeah, on I've been the with Moss Rival train. since 03. 
Yeah. So I think that is, is fine. I think that those of us that have been around and look that know how the game is played. If we're being real, like we try, I try not to call the SID to ask a stupid question. Like if I really want something, I call, I keep that in my back pocket and call in a favor and say, Hey, can I get X, Y, Z? Um, but it's the, and maybe this is good. Maybe this will separate some of the wheat and the chaff. Like, like maybe this will separate who's really here to cover a game and who's really here to cover kids and who's really here to make their platform grow versus who's here to eat rendezvous every Saturday. Or, or to, to be, a, to be a, as you put it so well on Twitter, a wannabe celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was, that was, yeah. was because who's here. Right. Who, you know, and, and I'm not to get way off base here, but we go through this in the travel business all the time. Who wants to build a travel business and who wants to get discounts on travel? Like those are the two things we go through. Who's, who's here to cover and grow a website and grow a platform and build a platform. And who's here to hang out and eat rendezvous on Saturday. Like, like that's what this might separate. And there could be some good from that, that some of these quote fan blogs can go away and, you know, that, that don't really serve a purpose. They're just empty.org. I'm sorry. I said that out loud. I just couldn't resist. Um, like they don't serve a real purpose. They're just there for the sole intent of inflaming and trolling and, and, picking on Ole Miss or, or, you know, making other schools look bad. And, and I think those things do a lot of damage to the rest of us that are, are legit into this. And maybe that's a good thing that comes of this is the, the, cause I do agree. I think the SIDs pushback and the eighties pushback is we'll just pull your damn credentials. Like you're not coming to the games. You may interview grant once, but you're never walking on campus at the, or I, think at the that, I think that could be a, an unintended consequence. But a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's it, good. Well, so, so let me be that clear. Be some we, checks, we, and, checks and balances, yep. yep. We've talked about this off air, and I think, Brian, you even said this on it. We're not going to pay players nope. to interview them. We're not yeah. going to do Donate it. We, we, we've, we've, that's just not even a starting point. So, so that there, there may be for an extended period of time where – we don't get to talk to players at all. I mean, like, I don't think it's a secret. Like, I text players from time to time. I know you, Brian, you text them all the time. I got um, But occasionally I know a couple of guys on the team that I text from time Thank to time. Thank God for free texting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do, I, do I know if they're going to even respond to me anymore? I have no idea. I literally don't. Can they? Like, I well, I mean, like I said, what, what the, constitutes a media interaction? Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know. Like, and 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 so, like, one of the, the first things I'm going to do is I'm going to text the guy and say, "Hey, look, if you don't want me to text you anymore, I won't. But we aren't paying anything, you know. And if you, you know, if you want to talk or whatever, I'm here. But you know, that's one of the first things I'm going to say. Look, we're not paying anybody anything. And same thing for coaches. Like we're not, I'm, I'm, I'm totally against that. I mean, guy wants to come on, we're glad to, you know, got to have him on, but you know. Well, so. and, and I'm just going to say it, you know, there, there's basically two of us, right? There's rivals and there's the other one. I'm not going to 
say their name, but, but everybody knows who they are. What it is. I, I don't I don't think either one of us are going to get in the habit of paying players for interviews. I, I just because we don't I, I shudder to say this. It is more important to our business model to build that relationship before they step foot on the University of Memphis campus. Because let's face it, both of our business models are recruiting. So we've yes. built that relationship and we've got that relationship and we got enough players that will either through an intermediary or directly text us and tell us stuff that we want to know. Like we, we don't have to, I don't need, I'm not out to validate this podcast by playing, by paying Grant Gunnell $150 to come sit and be. And we're not totally comments. not picking on Grant. By the way. I'm not picking so, on Grant. He's just the name Grant. that comes to mind. I wouldn't have paid Brady $150 to sit here. I wouldn't have paid Jacob Karam $150 because we right. don't, that's not our model. That's not, I mean, that's part of what we end up doing, but it's more about relationships and kids before they walk on campus. Like nobody talks about the rivals 250 rising junior football players. Like, let's be real. It's the recruiting that's the lifeblood. So, you know, this whole notion that, you know, oh, these guys, we're, we're not paying for it. Now, we don't speak for any other rival site, obviously. If uh, Orange Bloods wants to pay for players, interviews, more power to them. That's Texas, by the way, for those who don't know. Um, it's Chip. And, but we're not, we, we just have chosen not to do that. I don't think the other group's going to do that either because it doesn't, that doesn't benefit our business model. And like, that goes back to what we were just talking about. Like, we're in a business. We're, we, this is different. Like, this is not, oh, I want to get some street cred by interviewing the starting running back for Memphis. I mean, that, that doesn't move the needle for people that follow us. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they follow us for a different reason. Same is true of the other group. Like, you follow us for different reasons. You're not following us because we got a cool interview this week. I mean, yes, no. that's nice and it brings people in, but that's not why you're on board with us. You're on board with us because, you know, we get great info. And we don't need a box score or we don't need a player to pay a player $150 to tell him how awesome he played. We've all watched enough football we know. Like, and we're just giving our opinions at the end of the day too. So I would never want to put, you know, just personally, like I don't want to have to sit in front of Brady after he throws four interceptions in the first half at Temple. Like I don't want to put myself in that position as a journalist. Like I don't want to have to ask that question you know, the stupid question, well, what happened out there, Brady? Well, I threw it to the wrong team four times. That's what happened. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, and, and so what I hope this will cut down on, though, is that whole I'm going to start a blog just to cause problems. Like, I, I want, you know, or the whole, what is it called, radio, the shock junk. I hope this weeds that out. But we'll see. I mean, this conversation could be null and void in the next six weeks. Like this thing could all change and we could be look back at this and we're starting the season going, boy, were we wrong? Like what we didn't know, we didn't know. Well, but but nobody knows right now. And and part of it is because in 27 hours, this takes effect and the NCA has done nothing. Nil. So, <laughs> less than nothing. So so all we can do right now is conjecture. As, uh, Right, it's it's because it's almost June thirtieth. It's an hour and a half from June thirtieth. So, all we can do as of the 29th, almost June thirtieth, is tell you here's what the Supreme Court said, and here's what you know what we've been told. Hearing, 
right, we're hearing from all these companies that are actually going to do the NILs. So that's all we know. And until the NCAA comes out and does something, which will be wrong, then it will be screwed up. And the next time they do it, it will be the first time they do it. We all we're doing is we're telling you here's where we think this is heading, and and hell, guys, um, for all we know, the NCAA is going to come out with something stupid and say you can only charge twenty five dollars or something just totally asinine, like just off the wall, right? And then everybody just throws their hands up in the air and 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 just you know, so, but 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 just kind of for me to close this out, I'm just going to simply say this: the NIL to me, was something that Ray Charles could see coming. The NCAA buried their their heads in the sand for years because they did, and and I'm going to say this for what it is, because simply they didn't want to share any of the money that they were getting with the kids, period. And now it's here, and they're going to have to get off their asses and do something about it. Or, or these kids are going to start cashing in and there's not a damn thing they can do about it. So they either need to get off their butts and regulate it or just keep burying their heads in the sand and hope it goes away. Because that's the only two choices they got. Well, I, I'm, I'm voting since this is the NCAA we're talking about. I'm hopeful for B. That's uh, option B is always my choice is for the NCAA to just kind of stay out of the way. Um and, and, you know, look, and I, I don't want to get political, but I said this when the whole baker thing, making the cake or whatever that happened, this free market is going to take care of itself. Like it's going to self-police and self-regulate. And are there going to be bumps and bruises along the way? Yes. Are people's feelings going to get hurt? Absolutely. Are schools going to be negatively? Absolutely. But it's going to eventually, I think you guys are right on that. I think it will eventually settle in to some sort of normative scaling behavior because I, but I think the schools are going to have to do this. The schools and the players and the brand managers are going to have to work together and do it because you're right. The NCAA, if it can be screwed up, they're going to figure out how to screw it up and then they'll screw it up more when they try to fix it. So let's just not bring them in. Uh, let's close out here, Brian, and tell everybody about the special going on over at TSR right now. Well, uh, you can uh, sign up, but I believe uh, you put me on the spot there. Sorry no, about I sure that. Did. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, you get uh, if you sign up for premium access, uh, you get free access to August, I believe it is, yeah. and that uh, you have to sign up before the end of the month. So that that's a June promo. So sign up now; you don't pay until August. And uh, this podcast doesn't go live until tomorrow at some point, so uh, you're going to be up against the clock tomorrow uh, with that. So. That's going to do it for our June edition. We will have another edition probably around the middle of July and then come August. I will be pumped for football. We're ready to roll. We've only got, I think, like 75 days left. It's something ridiculous like that. So, for the best co-co-hosts in all the land, Larry Marley and Brian Moss, it's John Maddox signing off saying, Go Tigers, go. We'll talk to everybody soon. Opinions expressed on this program by our guests and hosts do not represent the opinion of their employers or the University of Memphis. This podcast is in no way endorsed or affiliated with the University of Memphis. Join us again next week for another edition of Tigers Tonight.